great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Brand new week here at St. John Fisher University. The Buffalo Bills kick off week two of training camp. The pads were back on today, which means we have a ton to get to. Ryan Talbot, that's who he is. I am Matt Perino. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Once again, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Barbecues, tailgating, or on a road trip to see your favorite team, wherever the football season finds you, make sure to stop at Tops for the best deals in town. From fresh meat to locally grown produce, Tops has everything you need and so much more for mealtime, snack time, or anytime. Tops at your table since 1962. Shout football podcast at your table since 2020, Ryan Talbot. And listen, the numbers are absolutely popping. People are watching Shout at a unbelievable pace i wanted to start off right there and say thank you so much for your support bills mafia it has been just absolutely amazing to interact with you on these live shows all the support all week long let me welcome in ryan talbot what is up brother hey not too much yeah perfectly said man thank you for all the support uh elliot what's up with you Rick, seeing you in here for quite some time. So Bills fans love the support. Uh, Love seeing so many of you in the chat even before we got started. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And shout out to uh, our good buddy, Joe Kroom. We saw him out at practice the other day. Gave us a couple uh, new uh, profile pictures. Dylan says you're feeling yourself. Well, it's hard not to feel yourself when, you know, the <laughs> the goat himself, Joe Kroom, blesses you with a, a, a brand new picture. So thank you to him. Uh, Ryan, hopefully you'll share the one of uh, me and you uh, later today. All right. So we got to get into this thing, Ryan. There is a lot to dive into from practice today. A couple of really good back and forth during the team drills uh, that we can kind of chew on. Some stuff I want to get into from the individual portions of practice too. Stuff that I didn't even get in my column, which you can go read at Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com right now. 10 or 10 or 11 observations fresh for you. Where do you want to start, Ryan Talbot? Let's start with the rookie cornerback. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about Kyrie Elam, Matt. You know, you and I have noted multiple times he, he's playing with aggressiveness. He's playing with a confidence of sorts, despite being a rookie. We found out today he doesn't like being called a rookie. And, you know, you noted something about his day today. So why don't you go ahead and take us there? Yeah. So Elam, it's funny because getting a chance to talk to him today for the first time since camp opened, you, you really get the sense of how much it's been trial by fire, right? Like you're going up against Diggs, Davis, and oh, by the way, he added Isaiah McKenzie into that elite group of receivers that every day just gets, you know, this kid gets to test himself. And then you go from, listen, he, he called the SEC what he thinks are, uh, you know, is the best uh, football conference in college football. But college football is completely different than playing in the NFL. And he's getting a chance to go up against Josh Allen in practice every day. And he said, it's just making him better. So early on in practice, when he's losing some of these one-on-ones and some of the uh, uh, individual drills, he was getting upset with himself, to be honest with you, he, to be honest with everybody, he said. And, and, and it took a couple days to just 
put that to bed, move past those reps and just focus on what he can get better each and every time, try to win every time. And today it was a big play uh, at a big time spot. The bills in the red zone the other day in practice were absolutely electric. I think it was like Josh Allen had like something like seven touchdown passes in red zone drills. And so dealing with them on an Island as a cornerback at times can be really tough. And Elo made a really good play. I don't know if he was the primary assignment for Dawson Knox, but it was a great throw from Allen. Knox had a touchdown in his hands. Elam came in, showed off that physicality, ripped it right out from, uh, from his hands. And to do that to a fourth year tight end as a rookie, one of the big things that was talked about when the Bills drafted Elam was that, really high-end speed, but he's also showing that there's another dimension to his game. He's been pretty nasty out here. He's tried to be that way, all while trying to, you know, he didn't mention like taking care of his teammates and everything like that, but he wants to play with a little chippy, and and he and on that play in particular, it really showed uh, it worked well for him. Yeah, and those are the kinds of plays that you hope to see in the regular season, uh, preventing a touchdown, making a you know making what looks like a sure completed pass into an incomplete pass. It doesn't all have to be interceptions and turnovers. Uh, a play like that can pay off big time for your defense. So, uh, good job by Elam today. I like what he said in his presser man about Josh Allen being one of one. Uh, pretty much saying that listen, I can't make mistakes when I'm out there on on the practice field because my reaction time. Everything needs to be, you know, at Allen's level, essentially, because in the NFL, you don't have the maybe the the ability to rebound it from a mistake that you could make when you're playing, even against great competition in the SEC. I don't want to sit here and like have the rose colored glasses for Elam. There's definitely been challenges for him. There's been times sure. where you could tell he's working through, you know, what his responsibilities are going to be on certain plays and, you know, getting to the spot at the right time. But I'll tell you right now, Dane Jackson's doing the same thing. I mean, he's working through a lot of that himself. I mean, going against this group, it's really, really good practice. And one of the funny things uh, I, I hear, I, I heard him talk about today at his press conference was when asked about that front, the defensive linemen that the bills have kind of accumulated. And he just said, I don't know what else to call them, but just a bunch of monsters. And you, and it rotates, you know, team after team, first team, second team, third team, it doesn't matter. They are just explosive. They're, they're causing a lot of, you know, chaos. And I wrote about that today and, you know, maybe we could transition here a little bit to Ed Oliver, because again, Ed Oliver every day is just causing chaos for the bills in their offensive backfield. And we can get to one of the reasons why maybe next, I don't want to talk about Deion Dawkins, but Ed Oliver, I think he probably had two, two, maybe three sacks today, depending on what you want to do credit wise. He is just looking so good. I mean, offensive linemen don't really know what to do with his combination of speed and aggressiveness. The way that he's getting off of the ball for at his size, I saw him actually, he was, um, the motorized scooters are very popular. You saw them when you were at camp uh, last yeah. week. Everybody's got one. I mean, guys, Oliver saw somebody bring one to camp. He went out to Best Buy and bought one himself so he can kind of scoot around thing. I just look across. I'm, I'm, I'm on a uh, radio hit right as I'm going walking into lunch, and there's Ed Oliver shirtless scooting across St. John Fisher University, just jamming, man, like just feeling himself. And I, it's hard not to, you know, it's hard to hate on him for it. He's been so good and explosive. Now, I will say his rep, that he got the one sack where I thought it was really explosive, caused some problems for Allen. It was against Bobby Hart, and we can get into that as well. The Bills are really banged up on their offensive line right now. Yeah, we'll talk about Bobby Hart and that O-line here in a minute, but Ed Oliver scooting on and off the field. Man, there was actually one play on Saturday where I thought maybe he jumped and the Bills didn't whistle it. They kept the play going. That's just how fast his first move is. And 
When you think about the growth in his game, what Von Miller brings, what we're seeing from these young defensive ends so far at camp, and knowing that they upgraded the defensive tackle position, it's you don't want to get fans too excited because they are going against an offensive line that's a little bit beat up. But there's reason for optimism that this unit, that front four, is going to be significantly better than one year ago. And when you have a unit playing like that, it frees up things for Matt Milano and, and Tremaine Edmonds, someone that we'll talk about later in this show. It helps your young secondary in terms of those young cornerbacks, Dane Jackson and or Kyrie Elam, maybe both early on in the season, uh, depending on the status of Trey White. If a quarterback has half a second less than he wants, that is all a cornerback needs to kind of close the gap, make a play. Uh, so I really think that front four led by Von Miller and then Ed Oliver, based on what we've seen so far, could really pay big dividends for this entire uh, back end of the defense. You know, they've been cycling a lot of big guys, the tackles in at at, at guard two, which I think is partly, you know, the reason why there's been struggles at times. And you know, right now, so let's 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 kind of transition the line and talk a little bit about this today. You had left guard or left tackle Deion Dawkins returning. Uh, you had uh, at left guard Bobby Hart was with the first team at first. Roger Saffold still out. Greg Van Roten worked in um, shortly after that. So it was it started as Bobby Hart at left guard. Then it went to Greg Van Roten. Then it went back to Bobby Hart again. Mitch Morris at center. Uh, Tommy Doyle was in at right guard. He got hurt midway through practice. Uh, it I, it was really hard to tell what it was. I don't think it was a lower body injury. It was either something that maybe he just got the wind knocked out of him or maybe like a midsection type of injury. We'll see if we can get an update uh, tomorrow or the next day. But he left practice. He didn't return. Walked off on his own power. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Bobby Hart then went in for him at left guard. And then it was uh, uh, David Questenberry out at right tackle. So it's a situation right now where somebody was asking me about offensive line uh, position battles. And Ryan, it, it's hard to talk about position battles on the line. They just want to get somebody that could play on the offensive line consistently other than, uh, you know, obviously Deion Dawkins and, and Mitch Morse. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning. And, you know, Mitch Morris addressed it on Saturday talking about the fact that at least that second team has a lot of experience. But the, the Bills need to start hoping that the majority, at least, of that line, Matt, can come back sooner rather than later. You need to start gelling uh, before your week one contest against the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. And before some of these big games that you start your year off with, you want to make sure that you're all on the same page, uh, that there's no miscues, no issues. And, and Right now, it's actually amazing that the offense is making the amount of plays that they're able to make with this uh, makeshift unit in front of them. They, they're getting beat. Uh, you know, I, want, I don't want to say regularly, but some of these players are getting beat regularly, like your Bobby Hart's. And uh, we talked about Tommy Doyle over the weekend on fr- actually on Friday and how he was beaten by Von Miller. So it, it's obviously helping the defensive line a little bit in these matchups, but you need to get the, your best starting five out there sooner rather than later. I, I get the fact that when it comes to Roger Saffold, you, you're dealing with a rib issue. You have to be careful with that. You have to give him the time. Those can linger for a long time, the pain, the breathing, all of that. But the sooner you can get the other four in place, the better off this unit's going to be. And, and it needs to happen sooner rather than later, Matt. Yeah. And listen, I don't want to put too much on how bad the offensive line play. I do. I really do think that this defensive line, it's really good. And I think whether they had the starters in or not, they're going to deal, they're going to have some problems, but it's definitely a piece to all of this. 
And I think that, you know, for a guy like Bobby Hart, I'm also intrigued at the entire idea here. And so Sean McDermott today was asked about the balance of like, you know, trying to get continuity and then all of the shuffling that he's done on the offensive line, moving tackles into guard. And he said, there's two different philosophy philosophies. Um, probably in particular with offensive line coach, some offensive line coaches and offensive coordinators say this guy is only playing one position and it's because of these reasons. And then you see some of uh, what we're doing out there, moving guys around. And I would say position flexibility helps everyone. We know what happens during the course of a season where you need people to fill in, but it also helps guys careers as well. When you can do more than just one thing and it helps the team in a lot of ways on and off the field. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, and then he was asked specifically about Doyle playing in the guard. And he said, I think, again, it's it says a lot about just when you when you talk about a guy like Tommy, Luke Tenuta, also a guy that's moved into guard, all the linemen that have been outside and inside both, it says a lot about who they are as competitors, what they're willing to do for the team. And again, sometimes when you do that, you uncover something maybe you didn't think you'd uncover, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's with the team in terms of what we found or a player saying, I've never done this before, but I kind of like it either going inside, outside, outside, inside. And I will say that the conversation around moving guys around is it is what it is. I mean, I'm probably going to trust NFL head coaches to get paid for a living, especially a guy that's had as much success in this league as Aaron Cromer to kind of do what they what they're going to do. Maybe the continuity piece isn't as important as we kind of all make it up out to be. But I think that line in particular stuck stuck out to me today in that maybe they land on something where maybe Tommy Doyle has upside of being, uh, you know, an above average guard where maybe in the NFL he was going to just be an average or below average tackle. We, we've seen what happened with uh, Cody Ford over the course of his career moving around and it just didn't work out for him. Maybe there's other examples where guys say, yeah, move me around until I find somewhere where I'm really comfortable. And yeah, that could actually help some of these younger players, uh, Luke Tenuta, uh, some of these undrafted free agents that they bring in every year. If you can find them a spot where they excel that maybe wasn't their quote unquote natural spot, it's going to prolong their career in this league. It's going to be something specifically to Buffalo that they find valuable. And even if they don't make the 53-man roster, it's going to be, we're going to keep you on the practice squad. We see something with you at this position, whatever it may be. And we want to keep you know bringing you along. We want to develop you further. You can go way back when to a guy like Jason Peters. Jason Peters was a big athletic tight end, and the Bills uh, had the wherewithal to say, we're going to move you to tackle. And sure enough, he goes on to have a Hall of Fame-type career at that position, most of which did not take place with the Bills because of money issues and things like that. But the, you know, there are certain players that you kind of see, and a light bulb goes on and says, well, is this the best spot for this player? That could be the same case for some of these young linemen on this team. Uh, it does, never hurts with these veterans getting them to move around a little bit. A lot of them already had the position versatility uh, when it comes to the Mance and the Van Roten and, and players like that. But, uh, you know, you, you want to be able to have someone come in in a pinch if something is uh, were to happen in the regular season. And that's exactly, I think, what Sean McDermott, Aaron Cromer, and this Bills team is trying to do. And again, this is the time to do it, right? Like, I mean... It, you you probably want to get into the season, find your five, practice with your five, and, and get some continuity built there. Maybe when you get to the games, but early on in training camp is when I think you probably have a little bit more freedom as a coaching staff to mess around with some of this stuff. And to be fair to the Bills and to McDermott and 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 Dorsey, Cromer, whoever is making these decisions, 
they they started kind of testing this out back at minicamp. So this isn't something that they're just kind of just saying, hey, training camp starts, let's just throw this out there. Maybe there's something that Tommy Doyle, they unlocked with him or Luke Tenuta during training camp that said, maybe you, you have some more upside here. Because let's be honest, when Spencer Brown gets healthy, he's likely your right tackle. And then you got Deion Dawkins, who's entrenched over on the left side. So a path to, to a playing time doesn't make as much sense. And, and maybe you can get a little bit more creative with your swing guards. If you have a guy like David Questenberry, who can not only be your veteran swing tackle that started games in this league, but also can play some interior as well. He's doing that as well in this in this camp. Yeah. And, you know, Questenberry is probably the odds unfair to be your swing tackle. So when it comes to Tenuta, when it comes to Doyle, getting them that experience at guard is going to help because like you just said, there, there's only so many players you're going to keep at a certain position. One of them could be the odd man out unless they have that versatility to play inside, outside. Uh, and then all of a sudden they're more valuable in the eyes of this coaching staff, man. He's a valuable dude. Deion Dawkins. I, I, you know, you could just sense talking to Mitch Morse the other day about what he means to this locker room to have him gone, not knowing what, what, whatever the reason was that, you know, he had to step away for a few days for personal reasons. He returns today and, you know, makes a big play. And I want to talk about the big play, but I really too want to talk about the reaction to it. Like the fans, his teammates going over and celebrating with him. Sean McDermott specifically, you know, marching across the field from his spot to make sure that he had a kind of a, a short embrace with Dawkins. It was, it was interesting because Allen uh, was kind of getting dialed up a little bit towards the midway to end of the uh, end of practice. Uh, I thought the offense played a block of time were really good. And this was just kind of like a bad pass. He, he kind of zinged one in there and it was, you know, Christian Benford, the rookie cornerback. I, I got something to say about him too. Remind me that uh, he made another big play that I didn't write about. And listen, you get into these practices where there's so much going on. Some things just kind of fall through the, through the, through the cracks. And that's why you got to listen to the shout football podcast. Cause I'm going to give you some Christian Benford juice that didn't appear in the story. And so pops off of Benford's pads, Deion Dawkins, right player, right time. But as we've seen over the course of his career, he's got hands. He can make a play. He catches it, takes it to the house. He is just rumbling, stumbling all the way down the field. You know, it's a really cool moment for everybody involved. Deion Dawkins makes a really nice play. Those are the kind of camp plays that, you know, get people, you know, pumped up, get the offense going. They really enjoy it. That was, that was a cool moment for them. Yeah, first and foremost, uh, happy to see that he was back at camp after missing a few days due to personal reasons on social media. He thanked the fans for the prayers and said, you know, let's get back to work, essentially. And for him to have an opportunity like that to make a playoff of Benford, uh, you know, batting the ball and, and to catch it and run downfield. You could hear the fans just get louder and louder. You could hear the, you know, cheers. I, I saw one video that uh, a fan had released. So uh, it was very loud, though, based on what I had seen from that. So very cool to see, uh, good, you know, and a good moment for him in his return. Like you said, Sean McDermott coming in as well. But Matt, while we're on it, why don't you talk a little bit more about Benford? One note before I get to Benford, you know who I didn't write about either. I had him as a, a as an observation and I just I just didn't get to it. Shaq Lawson. He's starting to really look like the Shaq Lawson I remember. He's been really quiet at the start of the camp. Uh, pads weren't on yet, but he was—he's all of a sudden starting to really fly around, put a lot of pressure on whoever he's going up against, and it was a, a collection of things. Rick Rarick, very observant. We were going to get to Tremaine Edmonds in a moment, uh, but Shaq Lawson—I did want to give him a shout out because he's playing really well. And somebody's asked me about uh, this recently. I think it might have been in a comment about. What's, what's his path to the roster? Is there a position battle maybe there with AJ Epinesa? I really don't think there is. I think the Bills can comfortably keep four, five defensive ends and are going to probably want that. You know, going into the season, if you have a, 
a, a sophomore slump at any point of the season for a boogie basham or even a, a junior year slump for AJ Abanessa. Maybe he comes in and he's playing like his, his hair's on fire early on. He's really doing well, but you have to mitigate against any of these guys falling off. And you've seen it from Shaq in the past. And he's looking like that guy that I think everybody remembers. Yeah, and, and it comes down to as well as matchups, Matt. We we know that Shaq Lawson is outstanding at stopping the run. So with some of these teams that come to town with a, with a really good uh, running back combination or star running back, that might be a game where you have him up and you have him active, and maybe it's one of those younger defensive ends that are inactive. Or like you said, they, the players go through those um, sophomore slums, junior year slums, whatever you want to call them, and, and that's where he can come in. He is valuable to this team, not just from a playing perspective, and you've mentioned it before. It's also from a way that he can get the guys pumped up on the field, uh, even if he's on the sidelines or how he gets them pumped up in the locker room. There's something to be said about that. Uh, being an emotional leader along with Jordan Phillips, both of whom are returning here. So uh, I, I like that note. Happy to hear that Shaq Lawson is playing well. It seems like a lot of the defensive ends have, have made plays, and it's almost like two or three of them per day are, are kind of making a, a play of note at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. Today was, uh, I thought, Greg Rousseau's day. A lot of questions in the side asking or in the chat asking about Rousseau's, uh, is he popping? Is anything happening? I, honestly, I didn't really see anything until the pads come off. In the last two days, you're really starting to see his size, his speed really play a factor. And today it was, you know, he overwhelmed Deion Dawkins a little bit. And when you do that against a Pro Bowl left tackle, you got to write about it. You got to talk about it. And he was, I thought, had two occasions other than the sack where I thought he was in, could, have, could have been involved in a sack or clo- uh, applying some really good pressure. And on this play, it's almost like he got into Dawkins' body. And then all of a sudden, just like, it wasn't like necessarily crazy bend or anything, but he just zipped to the outside, got around, got to Allen. They blew the play dead. Greg Rousseau with a really big play. And I think he was kind of in on another play with Ed Oliver earlier in practice. Uh, I thought today they really dialed up, ratcheted up the, uh, the 11 on 11. We saw a lot of work. So, you know, big practice, big, big day for Greg Rousseau. And I think what I wrote is he's going to be in a prime, perfect position, Ryan, to where teams are trying to deal with Bob Miller and Oliver when they're next to each other. And maybe even more dangerous uh, Ed Oliver revealed he saw he thought that Ed, Ed, or, uh, Aaron Donald and Von Miller last year were the most dangerous when they were on opposite sides and how teams dealt with that. In all the different scenarios, Greg Rousseau is going to be somebody that, man, might be able to just eat because they're not going to be able to pay enough attention to him. And, you know, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not, Matt, but I don't think that Rousseau is one of those defensive ends that needs to have the bend that some of the other ones do because Mm. of the wingspan that he provides. And we've seen an improvement in terms of the hand fighting. I think we've seen him bulk up in his upper body as well. And if he can create that separation with his hands off the bat with that wingspan, it creates so much room for him that I don't think he needs to bend underneath. He can go around or he can get inside a player uh, based on the separation that he creates. And I think that's what you're starting to see there. So if he can play more violent with his hands, which I think you're going to see in year two, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep pushing those offensive linemen back, if he can get into the backfield and make those plays, because if you're getting action off of both ends, this Bills defense is going to be scary up front, especially because then you have a guy like Ed Oliver, who we talked about to kind of lead off the show, uh, being so disruptive on the inside. Where do you want to go next, buddy? I actually wanted to address a question in here. I was in here a few minutes ago. We just nice. haven't had a chance for it yet. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if you and I have the same answer for this one, Matt. Uh, if you had to pick one 
what player has impressed you the most thus far through camp? I'm going to go with Isaiah McKenzie in terms of where I thought he was. I thought he was in a competition for the slot receiver position against Jameson Crowder. Now, Crowder wasn't out there for four days uh, or for multiple days. He was on the bike. He did come back today. But Isaiah McKenzie, even if Crowder had been out there, he's made plays every single practice. And that continued again today. And you can see the trust that Josh Allen has in him. He's done everything right so far in camp in terms of hauling in the passes, getting open, uh, being a, you know a sponge in terms of this playbook that uh, I think that there's almost little that can be done right now to move him off of that spot as the number three receiver for this team. Yeah, it's hard to say anybody else. I mean, I, I just talked about Ed Oliver and what I think that he's done in this training camp. Uh, but I, I think... To go from, you know, the the summer talking about, you know, really, I think a lot of people went into training or to training camp talking about McKenzie having a, an uphill battle at the slot job. And I don't think you, if you did a poll right now and asked people who's winning this, who's going to be the slot cornerback, the third guy in this offense, I, I think it'd be in pretty crazy numbers, like 90% or more that McKenzie's going to be that guy. And a lot of that's just been with his consistent ability to just not, Nobody could cover him. I mean, watch Taron Johnson in these one-on-ones during the beginning of practice, and it's just – it's impossible. He's just too twitchy. He's too fast when he gets going. And I think that the the, the route-running part of his game – it's like Cole Beasley, that's always, that was always a strength of his game, right? But he never had that high-end speed that McKenzie has. And I think what, what McKenzie's been able to kind of take from, from being that understudy to Beasley these last couple of years is to work on his route-running, figure out how to – you know, get that separation not based just on your quickness and speed, but with a little bit more of the technical part of your game. And I think that he looks like a more polished, complete version. Now, Sean McDermott said something interesting today, and he, he was asked about McKenzie. I asked him about him, actually. And he said that it's a situation where it's all well and good right now, and you've seen the upside of McKenzie, and you know what he can do on a, on a given game basis. But how do you react when teams start to game plan for you, when they start to get more tape on you and you have to do it week after week, matchup after matchup. That's the part of it where that's the next hurdle for McKenzie, right? It's it, all of this. What's happening now is important, but once you get to the season, can you be a re- relied upon piece of this offense that can make plays consistently? That's going to be the next step. But to this point, man, everything about his game has been impressive. Yeah. And that is the next part of the evolution of Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, That being said, I almost feel like I don't want to say it's easier for him, but I don't think that uh, even if he is as explosive as you and I have seen him be, it's going to be hard for teams to say we have to game plan for Isaiah McKenzie when you already have Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and Tawson Knox. And even running the running backs, I feel like have had a very strong camp uh, to date. So there's just so many weapons that how do you account for them all? There might be a given week where a team says, hey, we do really have to uh, you know, address Isaiah McKenzie and make sure that he's not the one that hurts us. But with with so many weapons, it, it's going to be hard for the teams to just pinpoint who would be in this scenario. Maybe your your number three receiver and obviously your slot receiver. There hasn't been too many players in this Bills football camp uh, that have been as hot uh, as Isaiah McKenzie uh, and maybe tops. Right, the sizzle of the grill popping open a. F- refreshing drink crowds cheering for their favorite team. These are the beautiful sounds of football season and tops is right there with you from fresh meat to locally grown produce. 
Tops has everything you need and so much more. Tops at your barbecue since 1962. Big year for Tops. I'm excited. Big year for the Shop Football Podcast. Big year for Bills fans, Ryan Talbot. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. We got to go next. We got to go to Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, what did you make of what I wrote about his big play today? And I'll get into it. Yeah. You, you know, it, it was almost ironic because we sat there and talked about the lack of splash plays within the last week. We said, you know, opposing defensive coordinators, players, they all know that he's a special player. The wingspan, uh, the ability, the movement ability, what he brings to the table. There's a reason he's been to the Pro Bowl a few times. Uh, there's a reason that to coaches within the division talk so highly about him. But the one area that he lacks is making those splash plays when they matter. We've seen it a few times in his career. He's recorded some interceptions. He's jumped in front of some balls that have come his way. Uh, but we need to see it more often. And, and today, Matt, we, we did see that. Not, not just any play. You know, I, I loved your description. It, it looked like he got, up what, 13 feet up in the air, uh, essentially, and made a play on a Josh Allen pass. Well, we see the the basketball hoop. Uh, sometimes the guys uh, playing on that in the uh, facility back in Orchard Park. And I just started thinking about it, watching that play. Like, man, I do think if you if you raise the rim to like 13 feet and, and Tremaine Edmonds jump like he did to intercept this pass, he might be able to dunk it. I I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think that would be too crazy. I mean, he's a absolute freak of an athlete. Like, it's not surprising. But it was against Josh Allen, and it was the portion of practice. It was right before the Deion Dawkins play and Allen had just kind of come out of a, a, a portion, which we could talk about in a minute where really good an Isaiah McKenzie play that we can mention as well. But it was, he was looking for digs and he tried to fire it in there and digs. I don't know if he fell down or if it was just a little bit of a miscommunication, but Edmonds had to make an instant decision to change direction and then gather himself and then get up in the air. And man, did he just leap? He made the pick Got everybody juiced up on the uh, on the sideline. It was right in front of the defensive sideline. And I was actually at the far end of the field. So it was hard to see uh, if he came down, if he ran with it at all. But just like I was that far away to, to be able to see the way that he jumped really kind of should tell the story of how high he did jump. Huge. I just wrote it in my notebook. Splashy. Big time splashy play. Yeah, and that's what this team needs from him this season with uh, so much on the line. If he can do that. Uh, you know, uh, when it matters late in a game, maybe a one score game, then the Bills are going to have to make really tough decisions and say, hey, you know, that that was the one box maybe he wasn't checking off was that the big play, the splash play. And if he's starting to do that, then I think he rises up maybe the list in terms of priority uh, soon to be free agents. Not that he's not already near or at the top of the list, but if he starts making those types of plays, Matt, it's going to be hard to deny him a second contract here in Buffalo. I found it. I found the pick from Christian Benford. I got to give the rookie his love. He had a really good practice today. He was physical. He was Odell Beckham Jr., the Andre Reid post. We will get into that before the end of the show today. Stick with us. Probably going an hour today. We're we're deep in it here, Ryan Tell. We got a lot still to cover. There was a this is a lot in practice today. They probably dial things back a little bit tomorrow. uh, So we'll have a little bit of a shorter show, but I feel like it's a Monday. Gotta go deep here, but I, I I would like to get into Odell Beckham Jr. and what it, what it looks like, if that were to be the case. But I thought Benford re- just like a really good practice, and he's competing. And this is a guy that at times you're wondering, all right, they're probably going to ask him to do a lot of different things as a rookie, learn a lot of different spots, kind of mirror what they do with what they've done with Gabriel Davis, 
Uh, what I think that they're probably going to do with Khalil Shakir here, uh, and Shakir was good today again too. He's he's as okay. He's not as unguardable as Isaiah McKenzie in one on ones, but I will say Shakir is pretty close. He is super slick. I mean, every single time it's it's different. Like Isaiah McKenzie is just so much more sudden with his footwork. Like it's like it changes in instance. Whereas like Khalil is like so fluid, and it's almost like he lulls you to sleep, and it's like pop pop. And it's like, he's gone. So he's fun to watch. We had a fun time watching those uh, one-on-ones earlier, but a big practice uh, for Benford. And then I wanted to mention this at the end of practice. I wrote this at the bottom. If you saw my story, Matt Barkley with just an awful sequence to end uh, his team portion today. Boogie Basham with a sack. Do we even get to the Boogie Basham fight yet? No, so much is happening in this practice. We need to the fight. That'll be next. Uh, boogie bashing with a sack on Barkley. The next play, he rolls out to his right, tries to throw it back across his body to his left, throws an absolute duck, and it's I- intercepted by UB product uh, Jamarcus Ingram. Uh, really nice play by the rookie, undrafted player, but an awful throw. The next two plays, uh, Corey Joseph batted down at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Prince Amelie batted down at the line of scrimmage. I, I-, I got to put uh, Matt Barkley as a, a-, a lock to uh, spend the season on the practice squad. And I, I'd almost say from what I've seen so far, the Bills might have to do something on the open market if there was a situation where they had to rely on Matt Barkley to play. I just, it just hasn't looked good during camp. No, he's had some struggles. I mean, we even watched the, the drill where you're throwing into the net and he's missed, you know, the net entirely. He's not having a good camp today. I guess that's the best way of putting it. And if he is the quarterback three, which in this case, he 100% is, he's not moving past Case Keenum or obviously Josh Allen, he that's fine. You can keep him on your practice squad. You can He's going to be an asset to you in the film room, in the locker room, things like that. But if something's to happen, you need a, a backup or you need, you, know, uh, you need him to maybe be active, you're right. You have to look at the open market, see who's available. And would that person, even with short-term, not know, maybe knowing the playbook, would they be an upgrade? You know, you'd almost have to consider moving on from Barkley in that scenario. He is not the type of quarterback that should ever be trying to throw across his body. There's very few of them that can do it. Josh Allen being one, Mahomes being another. You know, those quarterbacks with the big arms. Uh, but for the most part, you know, the majority of quarterbacks have no business trying that throw. Things were intense on the practice field again today. They were the other day. And I think I remember before the pads went on, I was talking to Joe Viscalia at one point. Maybe even you were talking about it. And it's like, some of these plays, when you see the interactions with the linemen and you're like, all right, a fight is about to pop off. And we had one today where it was, this was a true fight. Not like the one that we saw with the Josh Allen situation the other day, where really it was just a kind of a push. And then everybody just broke it all up. This was one where it was a push after Tyrell Dotson either had his helmet ripped off or, or it, it came off. And then there was an exchanging of words. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, all hell breaks loose. Boogie Basham is throwing haymaker overhand punches at Luke Tenuta. And here's the thing. I never understand football fights. These dudes are throwing full, full blown punches at guys with wearing helmets. It doesn't look, it doesn't seem like it's going to end well. And so I think he probably landed two or three punches somewhere on, on Luke Tenuta's situation. Uh, he, he finished the practice. I don't think there was any injuries, but man, six credit to Boogie Basham. I don't know if I'm looking, if I'm trying to find Luke Tenuta, six, eight, three 20 in a pile and start, uh, exchanging blows, but I, it didn't look like Tenuta punched back. I don't know if he was punching back. Maybe, maybe he just knew that, you know, I can't really unleash that side of things. I'm just a very, very big dude and I shouldn't be doing that. So you're saying Boogie bashed him. 
Bam, boom. Boogie. <laughs> Did bash him. It's okay. No, it, you know, yeah, you got to get the dad joking when you can. <laughs> You're right. Probably not the first person you should be targeting, though, is a, a giant mountain of a man. But, you know, you know, tempers flare, emotions run high this time of year. We talked about it. You're right. I was there when we were talking about a fight. We were saying on Friday, we're like, oh, man, the way they're playing with this chippiness, something's going to happen when the pads come on and something happened Saturday, something happened here on Monday. Um, so w- when it comes to Basham and today's, again, it's typical, uh, real quick, I would like to point out though, Matt, that you, uh, you did mention that Basham did have that sack today on Matt Barkley. So uh, again, it's, it's another check or another plus in, in the win column for Basham. And you talked about Rousseau earlier. We've talked about Epineza. We've talked about Shaq Lawson. This has been an ideal, you know, scenario, I guess, for this defensive end room. We already know what Von Miller has been able to do day in, day out. And now you're starting to see every other defensive end here that that's most likely going to make this roster cycling through sometimes two or three of them per day, making a play. Sean McDermott loves the rotation. So if he can count on a few of these guys to step up, he doesn't need Epineza or Boogie Bashman to make more than one play per game. If they can just do that one big pass for us, that one sack, that one forced fumble, they'll be thrilled with that kind of, of uh, play from this defensive line and these young defensive ends. We have an arrow up, Ryan, that we got to talk about before we get to mm-hmm. uh, Odell and maybe the punting, uh, a little bit of a punting update. I don't have numbers. I didn't do hang time today. I was on the other side of the field, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Arrow up OJ Howard. I yes. thought he had his best practice today. Big bounce back. And again, this is the reason why you don't want to overreact too much to some of the stuff that you're seeing early on. I also think that what this reminded me of today with the way that he had his practice and he made a couple catches, I almost feel like uh, they're doing a good job. The Bills offense, Dorsey, Josh Allen, putting OJ Howard in situations where he can be successful. There were no today where it was like the other day where they were kind of asking him to be athletic, right? Like get up and, you know, try to make a, uh, a catch, do his best Tremaine Edmonds. That's not really in his skill set, I think, at this point. And so what, what you saw today was working on the sideline, boxing out Cam Lewis, making a nice catch, getting his feet down, making a good play on the ball, though. He had to be, you know, to a degree athletic. And I thought finding out what he can do, maybe that's what's been happening over the last two months, and maybe we'll start to see them putting him in better positions. I thought he had his best uh, practice today. Yeah, let him use that big frame to get open. Uh, let him create mismatches on the field. But you're right. If you're asking him to outleap someone out of the building, it's not going to happen at this point, maybe in his career. But if you can get him open in the middle of the field, if you can get him on those mismatches uh, along the sideline, those are scenarios where he can win. So you're right. Give the coaching staff some credit for what they did today. Hope that it continues into the preseason, regular season, and give Howard an opportunity to be a solid number two tight end for this team. I want to get into the sequence, the the best offensive sequence of the day. Uh, so it was Allen in a quarterback, and I, I went over his one at the end. Uh, James Cook had one really nice play today. Uh, it was a short I think it was a reception from Keenum and he made the defender miss and absolutely broke his ankles. I mean, the dude is really special with the ball in his hands. I I, I do want to see more of that as we get into the games. Uh, and he also had a touchdown at the end uh, that uh, right after the Dawson Knox uh, pass breakup by Kyer Elam. But in the middle of practice, the Bills were running two minute drill. And so they they lined things up. Uh, said go, and it was McKenzie making the biggest play of the day. It was kind of like he was working against Taron Johnson, and Allen waited for him to get open, and then it 
once he did, he got a little bit of separation. The, the Allen put the ball on him and it was immediately like he ran away from Johnson. He couldn't cover him. Uh, the next play, it was a beautiful dart up the seam to Dawson Knox. And then it finished with a touchdown to Stefan Diggs. So effective in the red zone a couple days ago, now effective in that kind of two minute offense where you got to kind of go no huddle and get things going. That's where I thought that the bills looked the best. And that's when I think the offensive line woes that the bills sometimes face. That's when you kind of throw them out the window when it's almost like you're just, you're putting constant pressure on the defense and the defense didn't have any answers for what the offense was doing on that drive. Yeah. And I think it's important to get that two minute offense down, not just obviously for those actual scenarios in game, but think about how many times the bills offense last year, they had their moments, they had their games where they were stalling out. They weren't moving the ball. Well, you can get into a two minute type of offense at any point and get the defense on their heels, get the, you know, uh, try to work it to your advantage when you have that many weapons. So I think this is also going to be a, a way for the bills in some games and some scenarios where maybe they're struggling. Maybe it's, Hey, we need to pick up the pace, gas these defenders a little bit, uh, get creative, move the chains and move down the field. Like it is an actual two minute scenario. So it's it's beneficial to work on obviously in practice for the real those real snares in game, but you can also use it at other points over the course of those four quarters in a in a matchup. Tyler's asking about Taron Johnson. He's been solid. Oh yeah, no 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 super big plays and some of the one on one stuff. It's just it's advantage offense when you're going against guys like McKenzie and um, I think he had a nice play on Shakir a couple of days ago. But I think Taron's been great. I mean, it's like he's uh, he's. Uh, Give him a jersey on game day. Go. He's one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league. He's he's not somebody that I, I even spent a ton of time watching. I'd probably only pay more attention to him if if he was getting burned or having issues or something. Um, and uh, so yeah, there's that punt competition. Uh, they did get up a, a couple punts today, and I do think that there was there were reports. I was on the other end of the field, so I wasn't clocking times today. But I do think that there were reports that improved. Uh, hang time for Matt Ariza today. Uh, but really what what you're really looking at when it comes to him, when he has his day, how does he hold? Again, Tyler Bass, perfect uh, field goals today with Ariza holding for him. They were all like really clean plays, clean catches, clean holds, field goals good. Just more good things uh, coming from Ariza today. Yeah, listen, we, we talked about the hang time on Saturday. He had one, the best one of the day on Saturday in terms of hang time. Uh, but holding is where it's maybe going to come down to it for him in terms of winning the job. Because if all things are equal in the punting competition, the Bills can look at holding and say, well, listen, we need to make sure Tyler Bass is going to make his kicks or have an opportunity to make his kicks this year. And if Arise can keep coming to these practices and show that he's a solid holder as well as a solid punter, there's no reason to hold on to a veteran like Matt Hawk in that scenario because you can go with the promise of the young leg, the bigger leg, where you can work on uh, you know, the hang time, where you know you have someone who has the leg to kick into the wind, to kick into the, the elements in Buffalo come December and January. So all things considered, the fact that he was perfect holding the ball today is as big a win as uh, improving on his hang time. What do we make of, uh, you know, this is now the second uh, headline that's come out of the Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, free agency saga linking, uh, saga linking him to the Bills. Uh, the first came when I think he just had a random tweet about it uh, about a month ago. And then just kind of like <laughs> I woke up dreaming about being a Bill or something. And then now this latest one is Andre Reed, who uh, spent time with Odell Beckham Jr. at a uh, party recently, had a long conversation, then tweeted 
uh, or put it on Instagram, I think, that uh, how would uh, Odell Beckham Jr. look in red, white, and blue? Him and Vaughn running it back in Buffalo. Let's just say we had a good convo last night in Atlantic City. A, you put the story up, so I'll start with you, Ryan. How serious do you take this? And B, what does that look like? Because is that something where you just kind of bring in Odell Beckham Jr. and say, take all the time you need to recover, and then maybe that could be something that you throw into the mix around um, you know, November, late November, December? Or is that something that maybe this is more pipe dream, or maybe it's not even something the Bills should consider? What, what do you think that would do to their receiving room? A, I don't take it very seriously right now because Andre Reid is not Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott. And at the end of the day, those are the two guys that are going to make the decision on bringing someone in like that. Now, could Andre have been talking to him at that Panini NFT event about potentially joining the Bills and, and uh, Beckham Jr. was receptive to the idea and maybe even saying, yeah, I'd love to play with Von Miller and Josh Allen. Absolutely, 100%. It may have happened just like that, but I don't take it seriously right now. Now for part, the second part of your question there, Matt, what does it look like? I don't think the bills pick up the telephone to call Odell Beckham jr. Unless there's some kind of injury at the wide receiver position in December as the playoffs approach. And you need someone, even if it's not Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs, maybe it's your, your third outside receiver. And you're like, man, if we can add him into that rotation, our offense is going to be even more lethal. And we have this injury that uh, really hurt our depth. Maybe then you call him. And if I'm Odell Beckham jr, I'm not in a rush to sign anywhere. I would much rather wait until I'm almost a hundred percent. And I know who the true Super Bowl contenders are this season. Why sign with a team now? Uh, maybe make an extra million or something. I, and at the end of the day, that could be something that a, a player wants is, is the most money possible. But I, I think he wants to win another Super Bowl after getting a taste of it last year with the Rams. So he might just sit there and say, I'm going to wait it out. I'm almost 100%. Who are the true Super Bowl contenders? And, and maybe the Rams and the Bills are at the top of that list. And then it becomes a bidding war. It's, I want to return to the Rams, but if the bills have a need for him, that is when I would say, okay, it might make sense now, but right now it makes no sense at all. In my opinion, what about you? A couple of things here. First of all, I'm with you in that. I don't think this is a serious thing for any team right now as Odell kind of works his way back and he plays the waiting game. Like I see, I think like a lot of people are, I mean, you got Cole Beasley out there, super comfortable doing it. Um, you know, even to a lesser degree, you look at another guy with the bills, Daryl Williams, the fact that he hasn't signed anywhere yet. This is a guy that just signed a three-year deal. Uh, I think it was for like $30 million or something like that. It was 25. I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was he was set to make a lot of money over three years. So he probably wants to get paid on his next deal. He probably doesn't want to take a veteran minimum. The fact that he's coming off two injuries, it's like, I think he's going to have to sign for, unless a team has space and is willing to give him the money, He's probably going to have to take less money to go to a contender and then prove it again. And then hopefully for him, line something up on the other side uh, after this season. I don't subscribe to the idea that there's no room for him, though. I won't I won't I won't get it because you never know what your wide receiver is going to any position room is going to look like over the course of the season. You have injuries. You could have a guy that's struggling. A lot's on Gabriel Davis's plate. What if Isaiah McKenzie does hit some kind of wall and teams are scheming for him and and you want to, and maybe that's Daryl Williams didn't sign with the Patriots, by the way. That was a different Daryl Williams. Um, The Daryl Williams that played with the Bills last year, that was a center. uh, And they already actually cut him. 
Uh, the Daryl Williams that played with the Bills last year is still on the free agent market. Just FYI. I saw that in the comment section. Unless I'm missing something, Ryan. I don't think that yeah, I am. Unless it just happened. But no, I'm. you're 100% correct on uh, what you just said there. So unless something's happened during our live show, then no. Okay. You're looking it up? <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. So Bills fans, while Matt's looking this up, the Daryl Williams that was with the Patriots and I think now signed by Jacksonville has two R's in his first name, whereas right. the Daryl Williams that was with Buffalo uh, for the past two seasons only has one. I know it's confusing. They're both offensive linemen. Uh, there's two Daryl Williams, but the one that was with the Bills is still on the market as of this time. Yes. And so what happened is it looks like Wikipedia got got by this as well. And they actually have Daryl Williams that played for the bills last year, his Wikipedia updated. That's what threw me off to have, to having signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So mm. but what's interesting is they didn't add the Patriots in there. So kind of odd either way. The point of the matter is that's part of the conversation. And so we'll see how that all plays out. I think adding a guy like Odell Beckham jr. And having him be somebody that a, he's not going to be the same guy that he was right from the jump anyway. So that's something that I think, will go into the evaluation. So I don't think he's coming in here and taking Gabe Davis's role or even in Isaiah McKenzie's role. He probably comes in here and, and becomes like a utility guy, a guy that like maybe comes in and plays 15, 20 snaps a game and try to use them in, in big spots and, and try to ramp them up and see if it, you can't figure out a way to utilize it more, maybe run a little bit for 10 personnel and, and, and run out four wide receivers, maybe some five wide receivers at times, something that the Bills haven't had a ton of success with over the last couple of years. But you add an Odell Beckham Jr. to the mix, maybe that's something that be, it becomes a little bit more interesting. But I don't think the Bills are in any rush to do that. And uh, I, I think that they're really happy with the way that this looks right now. And I think that they like a lot of their lesser-known guys more than I think you know even fans would probably credit. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And same, you know, John saying, why don't we bring back Jason Peters? I thought Peters was actually very solid last year with the Bears. Uh, again, they they have a lot of guys in camp right now that they're evaluating. Uh, that doesn't mean that at early in the season, if something happens, they, could, they might not call Jason Peters. Peters said he's kind of waiting for the right opportunity. He wants to join a team that's a Super Bowl contender. It doesn't necessarily even have to be a starter at this point, he pretty much said in a recent interview. So I wouldn't take that off the table. Return to the team that uh, kind of brought you into the league and, and maybe compete for a Super Bowl. It's possible, but right now they're going through their own evaluation process. I think that they like the idea of Questenberry being that swing tackle, having some young guys that have some position versatility between tackle and guard, but time will tell there. In my five years now on the beat covering the NFL, and then before that five years in the UFC, I've never seen that instance with a Wikipedia. I don't think Wikipedia is something that you should use to like research things, but I've never seen that dramatic of an error on a athlete's page. And we're talking about sports. Uh, remember that I, I do use it for that sometimes, but the, the Daryl Williams thing is funny because I, I remember some people tweeting as that Daryl Williams was signing with the Patriots and then getting cut that, Oh, of course, Daryl Williams would go to the Patriots, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, wait a second. That's Daryl Williams doesn't play center. That's not him. I promise. So anyway, moving, moving right along. We got to get to one more piece before we get out of here, Ryan. Jaquan Johnson, mm. the Micah Hyde update that I've not provided yet in this uh, episode. Micah Hyde practiced today. He was in uniform. I tweeted out a video of him before practice. And wow, he looks great. Much back, much quicker than I thought he would be. He was, however, uh, not participating in team drills. 
It makes sense. DeMar Hamlin was getting most of the reps, but it was Jaquan Johnson who comes up with the massive play in team team drills against Josh Allen. Let me find the play real quick. I can't believe we didn't leave lead with this earlier in the show because I think this is a this is a big play because I think it you want to find some type of trust in one of these depth safeties, right? We haven't mm-hmm. seen them in a lot of situations like this. And for him to come out, DeMar Hamlin, I don't know what the split was. I mean, maybe, maybe next uh, if Hyde's out in team again, I'll try to chart the plays. But Hamlin played a lot. And so Johnson, when you have a second year safety, that's, you know, probably considered under you on the depth chart, you know, play a lot. You got to go out there and make a statement. And it was a, a pass that was uh, intended for Stefan Diggs. Uh, he was in the area, but Johnson made a quick, explosive play on the ball, read immediately the pass, jumped in front of it, picked it off. Big moment for him. Uh, what, what, what do you make of that? Jaquan Johnson making a big play in practice like that? Well, same thing as Hamlin a few days ago. I think the Bills have a really, really strong safety room in terms of one through four. Now, mind you, you don't want to see anything happen to Hyde or Poyer in the regular season because those two are you know, the, the backbone of this defense. They're so important to this defense. But I also think that in a game where maybe things get a little out of hand and the Bills have, have a big lead, you could put one or both of them in and still feel really good about your safety combination on the field. The, the Bills have brought these guys along, uh, Johnson being here longer than Hamlin, but they have a lot of confidence in both players from what I've seen. Both players have responded by making plays here early on at camp. Uh, I, I think it speaks volumes about the coaching here in Buffalo. It speaks volumes about potentially one or both of them maybe uh, being the heir apparent at one of those one or both safety spots when that, that time comes. So I just, I'm not shocked by it, Matt, because I, I've seen both of them make some plays already at camp. Summertime, you know what, you know what we do. We, in, in Buffalo, people have big cookouts. They have big parties, right? Head over to Tops, whether it's your child's first birthday party, which by the way, Happy birthday to my little boy, Lucas Christopher Perino, turned eight yesterday. I got to spend the whole day with him. It was awesome. I tweeted out a couple pictures of it. Uh, it was a great time. Or holiday feast, Sunday football, backyard barbecue, whatever it is, every meal in between. Tops is proud to have been at your table for the past 60 years. Looks forward to 60 more. Tops friendly markets uh, back in your life here on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Ryan Talbot, final word, buddy. Yeah, final word, you know, things are ratcheting up here at Bill's camp. I'm using one of Matt's <laughs> terms. Uh, you know, he mentioned today it was a loaded notebook. I think tomorrow could be a loaded day too, Matt. But Thursday, I, I wouldn't be shocked if things slow down a little bit with Friday being the return of the blue and red at the stadium. Um, so, you know, that's something to look forward to. But uh, I, I'm happy to see that, you know, the Bills right now, they're, you're seeing a lot of talent from the, the starters, the depth. They're pulling all the tools out of the toolbox, so to speak. And we are so excited to have Tops back in the mix. Uh, but right here on the Shout Football Podcast, don't you worry about anything. Value Home Centers is not going anywhere. Head over to valuehomecenters.com. We're going to have a weekly uh, little segment with, uh, with with them in, involved, but they're still going to be a big part of the show. Head over to valuehomecenters.com. Shop online. They have a huge selection. You can shop from their warehouse. They'll ship them to a store, your local store, so you can go pick it up or shop on their website. They'll have it that you can get it shipped right to you, valuehomecenters.com for more information. That'll do it. An hour jam-packed episode of Shout. This was a fun one. Uh, For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We'll be right back here. 
tomorrow. Don't go too far. Like and subscribe before you leave. Thank you. We're out. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.